Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. O compassionate Father, we pray that my words would be your words, that your word would be on our mouth and the meditation of our hearts, that it would be acceptable in your sight, that you, O Lord, would be our rock and our Redeemer, Lord, found only in Christ, that this would be acceptable in your sight. Lord, we pray that we would see in this psalm the glorious truths of how we are to come and worship you. Lord, in all of your greatness and splendor, we pray that you would be with us with the work of the Holy Spirit. pray in Christ's name, amen. Hear now the word of the Lord from Psalm 96. This is God's holy and errant life-giving word. Please take heed how you hear. O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous works among the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy. Before the Lord, for he comes. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. The grass withers. Flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. As we continue to go through the 90s Psalms, the Psalms in the 90s, we continue to see how God rules and reigns as God the King. Psalm 90, we see the eternal King. Psalm 91, the Almighty King. Psalm 92, the rest found in the King. Psalm 93, the reign of the King. Psalm 94, the justice of the King. Psalm 95, the call to worship. The king and Psalm 96, how we are to worship the king. Now, as we read through these Psalms, you could do many studies on the topics throughout these Psalms, not merely just preaching from one Psalm each, but taking collection of topics and, and themes throughout these Psalms. And you could look at God's character throughout these Psalms, his attributes, his works done in all creation, his character, and how he relates to his creation through his action. Take, for example, Psalm 95. 
I mentioned that it is a call to worship. But you could also see how Psalm 96, Psalm 98 is a call to worship, beginning, sing to the Lord a new song. Or you could say that not merely just in these 90 psalms, but throughout this you then go to Psalm 100. Again, another call to worship, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. You could look at this as a collection in these psalms to be able to study them. You could look at them even in this psalm tonight, Psalm 96. Many different sermons or lessons. You look at this psalm by looking merely at God and His character, His works. Look at His glory, His marvelous works, His greatness, reverence, creation, splendor, majesty, strength, and beauty, holiness, judgment, and faithfulness. Ten sermons. Or at least a ten-part sermon series with ten sermons each. You could do a hundred sermons. In two years, based on this psalm, Psalm 96. However, tonight, I want to look at this psalm with the understanding how creation worships God. How do we worship God as His creation? Why do then we worship the way that we do? Now often this comes down to an argument of contemporary music versus traditional music. But often I think that's a sidetracked discussion. It's not merely about song selection. But ultimately, fundamentally, down at the basis, there's a difference of philosophies that comes apparent. As we mentioned in Psalm 95, that everyone worships something or someone. You could have a traditional service that is filled with, uh, that is focused on pomp or self just as you can have a traditional service. The first thing that we need to understand and we see throughout Psalm 96 is that worship is directed to God and God alone. The worship is directed to God and God alone. You see that throughout this psalm. Sing to the Lord, ascribe to the Lord, worship the Lord, sing for joy before the Lord. That is exactly what worship is. That we worship God and God alone. Exodus chapter 20 in the Ten Commandments, God tells the first commandment that you shall have no other gods before me. That we worship God the Father through God the Son by God the Holy Spirit. And this is the most important principle that we need to understand, that we worship God. Yet this is often the most important principle that is lost. People say, well, we need services that seek to be able to reach unbelievers. And ultimately what happens is it loses the focus and the purpose of what worship is. The focus is no longer at God at the center. It becomes about unbelievers. What unbelievers think, what unbelievers feel. And ultimately ends up, ceases to be worship. For you can only have true worship coming from true believers. Now that does not ever mean that you should never consider them. I think it's quite important to be able to think about this is all the time as a church. We walk through the doors. We know which door to come through. We know where things are. We know the order. We know the songs. But to take time to be able to think, what would it be like to walk in this church, never entering this church before? 
But again, the foundational thing is that worship is directed towards God. There are benefits that an unbeliever gets as they come into a service, but only if that service is focused on God. If the service is focused on them, then they, they're the ones that leave happy, but they do not actually get the true essence. The gospel message proclaimed when it applied through faith as a great benefit to an unbeliever. Actually, they leave as true worshipers of God. That we worship God the Father through God the Son by the power of the God the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't always think about unbelievers, but we take this principle and apply it in a different manner. Worship then becomes about us. What we feel, whether we leave with a good feeling or bad feeling. Do we like this type of song? And I like this service is short. I like this sermon because it scratches an itch. Again, what we're doing is we're applying the same principle that worship then becomes about us. Does not then mean that we do not have benefits that come from true worship? That a godly sermon will be useful and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete. Or when we sing and address one another through psalms and spiritual songs. But look at the focus of what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5. That we address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. That there is a benefit of us singing to the Lord. That there's an important aspect as we each play in, our worship, in the worship of the Lord. Thomas Goodwin points out, in public worship all should join. The little strings go to make up a concert, as well as the great. Though you have a little grace, yet God's worship would not be complete without you. That each of us, although some of us might be playing first fiddle, another in the back playing the triangle, we each play an important part as we worship God, as we worship God the Father through God the Son by God the Holy Spirit. Again, we can continue in this sermon to be able to look at why we worship God along, alone as we listed those ten things before. But I want to look at how we worship God. Now we need to understand that as we're reading Psalm 96, we read in the Old Testament as the, under the Old Covenant before Christ shed His blood. We need to be warned that as we read these pages of Scripture, that we do not merely just turn to them and fulfill, seek to be able to carry out all that it is. The author of Hebrews constantly warns the people that he's writing to not to be able to turn back to the old way, not to be able to turn back to the Old Testament and merely seek to be able to apply all the principles that we find therein, or the practices. If we were to do that, then we'd need to be able to reinstitute circumcision, celebrate the Passover, set up a brazen altar outside to be able to make sacrifices. I would then be your priest and not a pastor, making sacrifices for your sins, my sins, day after day. We need to be cautious as we read through the Psalms that we don't merely just apply that principle as we would turn to Psalm 149, and Psalm 149 says that let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with the tambourine and the lyre. The Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in the throats and on two-edged swords in their hands. 
If we were to apply that principle and merely just take what we see there and apply it, not looking through the lens of the New Testament. Next week, we would all need to bring tambourines, lyres, a bed, a two-edged sword. We constantly need to be looking through the New Testament lens to be able to see how Christ, we see the difference. What we call this is the regulative principle of worship. That we only worship God according to the way God has prescribed us, prescribed to us in His Word. Do we look at Psalm 96 and be able to understand what has God told us and look at the New Testament to be able to say how has God instructed us in worship? But also in Psalm 96, we're not going to get an exhaustive list. There's no use of the word sacraments or the understanding of the sacraments in Psalm 96. But what does specifically in Psalm 96 tell us how we worship God? The first thing that we see most clearly, I think, is that we are to sing to God. We are to sing to God. It begins by saying, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Verses 11 and 12. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. And let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. And then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy. There's something special about God's people throughout all of time and history. The God's people are a singing people. You see this connection between David as the author of 75 Psalms, but it goes further, back in time, further than that. Not merely God's people became singing people because of David. The God saves the people from the land of Egypt out of the hand of Pharaoh. Chapter 14 ends by saying the Lord saved Israel from the hand of the Egyptians. Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power of the Lord against he used against the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. Then Exodus chapter 15 begins. And then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. They're saved and their immediate response is to sing praises to God. It began by saying, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has been thrown into the sea. They're saved and their immediate response is to worship the Lord. This great song of praise found in Exodus chapter 15. Maybe the Israelites were singing people before this time, but this is what we have recorded. They turn and praise the Lord. Sadly, we don't have many hymns based on this passage, and maybe let every voice lift every voice and sing, known as the African American anthem, has been hinted that it's based on this passage. Maybe you might say, Then come ye faithful, rise and strain. This hymn begins by saying, Come ye faithful, rise and strain of triumph, gladness. God has brought his Israel into joy from sadness. Loosed from Pharaoh's bitter yoke, Jacob's sons and daughters led them an unmoistened foot through the Red Sea and water, the waters. Not only do we have Exodus chapter 15, we have Psalm 90 written by Moses, Deuteronomy 32 written by Moses as well. The God's people are singing people, not merely in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament. 
that Jesus led his disciples in psalms, and so to their singing people. There's actually many pages of scripture, passages in scripture that people believe they're they're repetition, written, recorded words of what hymns were written in the early church. Or Acts chapter 16 in the in the prison of Philippi. There of Paul and Silas, what are they doing? They're praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners are listening to them. Paul instructs the church in Colossae. Let the word of God, Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Not only that the Old Testament Christian believers are singing people, not only New Testament believers are singing people, but also in all eternity we will be singing people. Psalm 96 begins and says, sing a new song. Revelation 5 verse 9 says, and they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seal, for you were slain. And by your blood and you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Here we are to be known as a singing people, singing praises of who God is. The second thing that we see in this psalm of how we are to worship God is that we are declaring people. We are declaring people. People. Verse 2 ends by say, saying, uh, uh, Tell of his salvation from day to day. In verse 3, Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the people. In verse 10, Say to the nations, The Lord reigns, yes, the world is established. That we are a declarative people. That we proclaim. We proclaim what God has done to all nations, all people. Paul tells Timothy, the young pastor, I charge you in the presence of God and in Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Peter writes in 1 Peter that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That we are all these things, and then Peter says, why are you a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people for his own possession? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. We're set apart for these reasons that we might be able to proclaim how God took us from the darkness into his marvelous light. That the early church is known to be able to go, to be able to teach of the good news, proclaiming that message. And as we gather together to worship the Lord, we declare what He has done for us in the proclamation of His Word. But not merely just in the proclamation of His Word, in the reading of Scriptures, but also with our praise and adoration through song and our prayers. And even with the sacraments, we are proclaiming Christ's death until He comes. In our baptism, we're proclaiming what Christ has done. That all of us who have been baptized, Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, and Christ were baptized into His death. 
We were buried, therefore, by his baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we might walk in the newness of life. We proclaim his death and also our death. The third thing that we are to do in Psalm 96 is we are to give, to ascribe. Verse six, uh, 7 and 8, ascribe to the Lord. Ascribe the glory to the Lord, glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord, glory, do his name. Bring an offering and give. This word basically just means to give. Give to the Lord. That we are to give and give our praises. Give our prayers. Give an offering. Again, Paul in 2 Corinthians said, Each must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So we give. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 says that now according to the collection of the saints, I was directed to the churches of Galatia. So you are also to do. On the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper. That there will be no collecting. There will be no collecting when I come. Here we are to give. We are to give generously with our lives and our talents as worship, a living sacrifice. Now more could be said about worship, prayer, occasional items like oaths or vows, highlighting the, the sense of trembling that we come before the Lord. But I think this is enough for us to be able to ponder to see our worship towards God, how we are singing people, a declarative people, a generous giving people. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. O gracious and most merciful Father, we give you thanks and praise that you have uh, shown us in your word how we are to worship you. Lord, we pray that we would be known to these three things as we give worship and adoration and glory to you, which is due your name. Lord, that we as a church would be known as a singing people. Lord, a declarative people. Lord, that we would be known as a giving and generous people. Help us to do this through the work of the Spirit as you change our hearts. That we are aligned more into your uh, Son's image, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. Seven Springs Presbyterian Church began in 1874 and is a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America located in Glade Spring, Virginia. Please join us for worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. for His glory and His gospel.